0: Welcome to Rainer's Radio, practical training for joint heirs with Christ, with your host, Diane Thomas. Good evening, and welcome to Rainer's Radio. This is Diane Thomas, your host. Let's just take a couple moments and relax. Anything else that's going on with you, just put it aside, whatever your Is drawing your attention, or your focus, or even what you're doing, your whatever activity. You can just put that by the side and just let the Lord reveal Himself to you. Let Him just just be with Him. Just remind yourself that He's right there. He knows everything you're going through. He is in charge of your circumstances. Either God is sovereign or he isn't. He's in control of everything or he's in control of nothing. Now that has ramifications for what we believe, our doctrines, especially about evil and heaven and hell and death and life. We're not going to go into those things right now, but God may want to. And if that's something he's putting his finger on, go with that. Ask him what he means by that, by what his sovereignty means in your particular circumstances. And that kind of leads us to where we're going to start. Where Some questions come back around um, time after time, so I want to address some um, areas of not so much confusion, but we like to have... um, simple answers and actually things are real simple we are the ones who try who end up making things complicated um like god is sovereign we come up with examples where we don't think he is rather than no god is sovereign god is above everything he created everything so he's in charge of everything he created time so he's in charge of time he created our soul, which is where our will is, so your your will is not free from him. It belongs to him, and it belongs to you. It's becoming free. There's that old um, joke about, can God create a rock so big that he can't move it? Well, yes and no. <laughs> so... We are we look for absolutes. We want to stand with our finite mind an infinite God. So, we talked a few weeks ago about our controlling our wanting God to control our circumstances. He already does. But we want to know what those circumstances are so that we can get involved so we know how to pray, so we know how to ask God. Well, first of all, we don't tell God what to do. And very often that's all prayer is. You know, telling him what we want him to do. You know, um, expressing the desires of our heart. Well, there's a difference between expressing the desires of our heart and telling him to give them to us. Saying, God, you should do this. You should... Not only in our lives, but we do that. God, you should do this in another person's life or in the world. You know, if, if our prayers for world peace meant anything, we'd have had lo- world peace a long time ago. God does things his way. And his goals are different than ours. His ways, his paths, his intent, we share those in our spirit, but not our soul and not our body. So think again of, of the circumstances in your life as totally under God's control. Now, there are times when He does affect and make changes to your circumstances. And there are times when He wants you to make changes to your circumstances. But our real focus is not on our circumstances, what goes on out there. And we never want to interpret what's going on in our circumstances as an indication of God's approval or displeasure. Now, that doesn't mean to say that God doesn't let Things happen in our lives to get our attention. He certainly does. But then when we ask him, he says, yes, that's I'm trying to get your attention. And isn't that funny? That's really so much of what God is doing in our lives. He's trying to get our attention. Wouldn't, wouldn't it just make more sense to make sure we're giving him our attention as on, often as we can? If that's what he wants, let's give it to him. He wants you let's just give him ourselves so what we want to focus on in actuality is is what's going on in our lives what we are cooperating with him in not how involved we are in ministry how much we're serving one another but how much how much time we're spending with him how we are waiting for him, and there's been confusion, too, about the whole concept of waiting. Waiting is not passivity. Waiting is a very active procedure and exercise. It is probably one of the highest activities. But because we are so misunderstanding of what, activity and passivity is we misinterpret waiting we misinterpret we think being waiting on god is letting him do stuff instead of us doing stuff let's just take an example you know this hap- this comes up all the time is about you know which job to take or which move to make, which, or which house to buy. And we've, we want God to tell us, go there or go there. And so we wait on him, and we've, we, this is what we call waiting. Whoever calls first and accepts our offer, that's the house God wants us to have. We, we call that waiting, that's not waiting. That's you don't have to be a Christian to do that, and that's always a good test. You don't have to know God to just go okay, well, you know, flip a coin. Whoever whoever answers first, you know, like the whole fleecing thing. If if a non-Christian can do it, it's not Christian. It's not spiritual. It's not selected it's not for us it's not something our spirit alone is doing in relationship with god so what do we do say you're you know which house do you buy Well, you go okay god do you have a you know tell me do you have a preference is there something we should be looking at now a lot of times god is a lot more generous with allowing us to do whatever our soul chooses at a given time if we ask him. Now, there are certainly times when it's important to him which house we buy or which job we take, but a lot of times it's not. And we have this idea that, that that's what's most important is to picking the right job, take, take buying the right house, moving to the right state, making making the right choice, the right decision. So it comes down to guidance, you know, hearing from God clearly so we can do the right thing, be in the right place. That's not all that important to God. Because wherever you are, it's the right place. Because it's not our place that's important. It's our relationship with Him. So we go back to that illustration about the rain falling. The rain falls on the just and the unjust. The storms beat on both houses, however they're built, whoever built them. Circumstances are good or bad, and they are not a reflection on the person in the middle of them. It doesn't matter about the, you know, the rain is going to fall on your house. It doesn't matter whether you're a good person or not, or following God or not, or a Christian or not. What does matter is... Are, is your field ready to receive the rain? It's how you respond to those circumstances. If you're able to weather those storms, not prevent them, that's the difference. So that whether it rains, great. If it doesn't rain, great. If it storms, great. If it's a drought, great. Because what matters is our relationship with God. So the circumstances, so much of what we're learning is identifying God's knocking, his getting our attention. And that is so often what circumstances are. Whatever's going on in, you know, in your neck of the woods, um, we're having a gas shortage in my neck of the woods. And it's really throwing some people for a loop. But that's just a circumstance. You don't say, okay, well, God's just going to fill my gas tank. You go, okay, you make plans. You you go, okay, what do I need to do? Do I need to cancel plans? Do I need to, you know, do I have a stash of gas that I forgot about? Whatever, you, you figure out, okay, what do I need to do? You don't say, "Well, God's just going to fill my gas tank." Or it's that, you know, I'm not going to I'm just going to hunker down for until till the, the gas returns. Whatever it is, you you are reasonable. You look at the circumstance, the level of the circumstance, all these circumstances are going to be in the supernatural realm or the natural realm. And as a spirit being, you actually do have authority over them. You have authority over, for instance, I have authority over the gas shortage. Now what does that look like? Well, if it was important to God, I'd be able to take authority over it and fill my gas tank. It's not that important to God. It's not that important to me. But I recognize that this is a circumstance I can ask him. Say, is this something I should try to see if how it works? I think of Jesus and the, and the wine. You know, he saved the best wine for last. They were running out of wine at the wedding. And he just, you know, okay, try it now. You know, he had to learn how to do that. That's something we forget. Jesus himself, God, walking in the flesh around here on this earth, he had to learn how to do miracles. He had to learn how to raise the dead, how to heal people. He even had to practice public speaking. Casting out demons, multiplying bread. He had to practice. You and I have to practice, and what does practice mean? Trial and error, trying it, making a mistake. How many times we said, "We learn more from our mistakes than we do doing things right the first time." We we exercise our self forgiveness muscles when we make mistakes. We're so, we get this idea that if we're following God, if we're in the right place at the right time, in the center of his will, whatever it is, that when we do something, it will work. It will be accepted and understood and, and make sense and everybody will say how great it is or whatever. It will be a positive experience. And then we look at the life of Jesus Christ and how many times he did everything right and the results were exactly the opposite of what we think they should have been, all the way up to the crucifixion. I mean, talk about someone who is holy without sin and did not deserve to be crucified. And yet, he offended them. He offended their laws their way of doing things from their standpoint he was full of sin because they were because he was standing up to them he was choosing god's life god's law and his ways offend man's ways the religious will always be offended So we focus on relationships. So let's get back to the homework we've been talking about. Last week we talked about focusing on stirring up the abilities that we already have in our soul in three ways. Word of knowledge, dreams, and learning to pray for yourself, whether it's your body, your soul, whatever, your circumstances, focusing on yourself. And if you want to spend, you know, five minutes a week on any of these or five hours a day on any of these, however you want to do it, a lot of it just has to do with this is what I'm working on, this is what I'm focusing on. It gets your your mind, your will, and emotions, gives them something to dwell on while you're doing other things, while you're doing brain surgery or math or cooking dinner. It gives your soul something to be mulling over. But I also want to add one other thing, because this keeps coming up, and that is the um, gift of the spirit, the speaking in tongues. And again, it's an ability. You already have the ability of speaking in tongues. Now, there's, you know, the different, you know, glossolalia, whatever, and how it's referred to in the scriptures, um, uh, speaking in in the spirit, I encourage it simply because Paul did. Paul boasted. In the scriptures, Paul boasted how he speaks in tongues more than all these. He thought it was really important. So I figure he's a really good role model, and if he recommends it, I say, let's do it. Everybody receives an experience in a different way. Sometimes it's not noticeable at all, and this is true with salvation, with with um, a, a baptism from the Spirit, any experience. Everybody's going to be different, and that's fine. That's that's the way it's supposed to be. We're all in a different place, and we're each we're God treats us different because we're each separate and different and distinct, even though we're all one. It's one of those things. Don't try to figure it out. Just accept it. But ask for it. And and this is what it sounds like. Lord, stir up my ability to speak in tongues. Thank you. That's it. That's it. Now, spend time, you know, five minutes a day. We're not talking huge investment of time here, unless you want to. Just be quiet, be set aside, and, and, you know, just speak what comes to your mind. It could even be phone numbers. You know, whatever the Lord brings to your mind, just speak it out. Now, speaking in tongues can be out loud or inside it doesn't matter there's i think there's value in both and also ask for multiple languages and what you'll find very often is there's there's worship tongues and then there's warfare tongues and then there's Encouragement tongues, where where you will, when you need encouragement, you will speak life to yourself by speaking in tongues out loud to yourself. Now, one of the things I think that's valuable for is because it does override or sure, or ignore our own perceptions. Now, there'll be times when one of the things you'll after you learn you're comfortable speaking in tongues, you'll start asking for the interpretation. But for now, just get used to the idea. And you know what? That's a real encouragement because there's going to be times in your life where you go, I don't know if God exists. I don't know if there's a supernatural. I don't know if there's a spiritual. I don't know if there's anything beyond this life. And then when you start speaking in tongues to yourself even, you go, okay, I can't do that by myself. I can't do that on my own. That's not something I am manipulating. I'm not creating that on my own. So that gives us an encouragement that there's something beyond our own understanding. But that's, that's all you need to do is ask. Now, if you do that and there's a period of time that passes by, say a week, and I'm just throwing you know if it takes you know if you want to give yourself a month, if you want to give yourself two days, whatever. But if you don't sense any if you don't have an awareness of a a language, a some people call it a prayer language, it's really not about prayer. It's about a communication. It's, about, it's a way of expressing your soul's relationship with your spirit. Because again, this is, a, this is really not a spiritual language, it's a soulical language. Because your soul is, is above time, just as your, your mind and your will and emotions are above time. God created time as, a, as an element of this world system, not part of your soul. So can when you're expressing these other aspects of your soul learn just simply learn from them they will teach you your soul will teach you how they work you don't need to be don't force it don't force yourself but say you've been making yourself available to god on a regular basis and and you know lord i'm you know i'm just patiently waiting for tongues to for a new language that's a great way of putting it just lord a new language do something different. I'm asking for something different, a new language. Now, now, if you would put it like that, he may do something else. He may express himself a whole different way. But you know what? That's fine. He's the God. He knows what you need. You know, he knows what you need far better than you do. Isn't that amazing? We think, okay, we need to ask God for this, 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 and this, and he needs to do it this, 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 this way. And he's over here saying, no, actually what you need is over here. And if you just be quiet long enough, I'd bring you over here, bring you to my quiet place where we can rest and commune together. So, but these are parts of the things that we're learning. So if that doesn't start happening after a period of time, whatever works for you, ask him if there's interference. Now, interference comes through our enemies. Our enemies are the world system, our own solical bad habits, and the devil and his little buddies. So if there's no response, ask him, "Lord, is there interference?" We always start asking him, talking to him with yes or no questions. So if he says yes," you can, "Lord, is that you?" He says, yes, I'm just giving you an example. Then you go, okay, Lord, is that interference a solico bad habit? Is it a de- one of the devils or his demons, his little buddies? Or is it the world system? And he will identify which area. Because depending on which enemy it is, you are learning about who your enemies are. If God didn't want you to learn how to deal with your enemies, he would remove them or he would remove you. Let me repeat that. If God didn't want you to learn how to deal with your enemies, he would remove them or he would remove you. whatever it is you're dealing with is what God wants you to deal with. You don't need to go searching for something more, for something more Christian, more ministry, more that fits into our own idea of what a... Christian life looks like or anything. You don't need to go looking. Wherever you are, whatever your circumstances are, they were crafted by God for you to fulfill your purpose now. What's your purpose? To become one. While he's doing the 99% of the hard stuff, we're focusing on the one. Learning how in in what we're teaching about now, how the supernatural works. Stirring up the abilities that we already have in our soul. Learning to live and move and have our being as a spirit being. Those are things developing habits, developing our senses. Those are things we would, you know, think about, you know, the closer, you know, when... um, when Jesus walked amongst his disciples, they saw this is how this works. This is, what lo- this is what God walking around on this earth looks like. He exemplified God. He showed this is, have you see, been so long with me and you don't know the Father? He was Father, Son, and Holy Spirit walking around on this earth. This is what it looks like. Well, we don't have that. So we very often have substitutes. This is one of the reasons patiently waiting is so important is we let those substitutes fall by the wayside. You know, we talked a long time ago about what it takes to please God. Let me just assure you, you've already done it because Jesus did. You don't need to make him happy. He doesn't need you to be glorified. He glorifies himself. Even though he is not a needy god. He's not going around going, "Oh my gosh, nobody's honoring me. Nobody's worshiping me." He's thoroughly self-sufficient. He doesn't need your help. He doesn't need your worship. He doesn't need any of these things. He's he's fully self-sufficient. But we get to participate in those things, in worship, in getting to know him, in embracing him and being embraced by him. But as he stirs those things up, or not, if we're asking him things and we don't see any movement, we can ask him, is there interference? And then... We've talked before on how to do that. That should be something available. It's on the website as well, and we'll we'll get into it eventually. But deal with it objectively. Don't read anything into it. Don't conclude that, oh, because there's interference, it's something God doesn't want you to do. Ask him. And really, this is what it's all about, developing your relationship with God. You know, so many times the scriptures refer to the relationship between God and his people as lovers that seek after one another and can't live without one another. And really that's God towards us. (coughs) Excuse me. But that's not always us towards God. Your spirit's already doing that, already has sought God and has been captured by him. But our soul has not. He is working on that. He's the one, again, who knows what you need and is stirring you up where you need it. This, having all your abilities stirred up and working and operating perfectly, that's not the goal. It's the process. That's the blueprint. Our goal is that we would be one, spirit, soul, and body. So as you cooperate with God, and as he stirs up your, the abilities in your soul, you are freed more and more from the lies. Your wounds are healed. That, those, that rejection is healed. That misunderstanding, the lies you believe, the doctrines, your history, your family history, your solical genetics, it's all healed and restored. Your soul is restored. Your mind is renewed. Your emotions are made whole. We have no idea as individuals what that looks like, what that feels like, what that would be like. But I'll bet it would be what the scriptures refer to as the fruit of the Spirit. So let him be your guide. Let him be your your pathway, and let him be your counselor. Let him tell you where you need to go next. So any more questions, feel free to drop me a line at Diane at therainersclub.org or through Blog Talk Radio or the website at therainersclub.org. We'll be getting back together again the same time next week. Until then, thanks for tuning in. This has been Diane Thomas of Rainers Radio. Have a great night.